0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Invarious and Pecapalooza. We are two geeks who talk about everything. This is Pecapalooza on this side, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Invarious. Good what day up?
1: Again, hello everybody. Welcome to another podcast. Invarious,
0: you come to us with a disadvantage this week. Uh, you have COVID.
1: I do have COVID. You know, it's funny, COVID how it comes upon you. I had uh I had it like a year and a half ago and I had it like before all the vaccine stuff that I was able to have and I got it pretty bad. I had like pneumonia and it was like very serious. But this time is not so bad. This one is just kind of like a cold. Uh but um I had gone and traveled for trade shows set up for my job and uh came back home had some sniffles but just assumed it was train uh, going transitioning from the dry heat to the uh humid but uh i had test myself on wednesday because i was going to go on a cruise today as we were recording this with my wife and uh, as i tested i came back positive So alas no cruise for and various and his wife and so uh so instead you know we get to do this podcast as I am isolated in my office.
0: That's right. We are keeping a safe distance, roughly what eight hundred miles, <laughs> yeah, give or take.
1: Yes, yes. So hopefully you feel safe. You know, um,
0: I I've, I thought about grabbing a mask just in case, but I, I think we'll be okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, it's funny. I have not had COVID at all in these two and a half years since the pandemic started. Uh,
1: so how do you know? I mean,
0: I need to knock on wood. Well, I've, well, I've never, I've never been tested. Um, but I've never had symptoms that presented themselves to the point where I needed to be tested. Um, and I've never like in the past two and a half years, I haven't traveled. So I haven't had to like test, get the test to prove that I'm, you know, negative so that I can travel. And so, um, it's possible it's, it's entirely possible at some point I'd have had it but the last time the last time I gave blood say that again
1: you're like an asymptomatic carrier is what you probably were
0: well I mean I guess that's a possibility but <clears throat> here's the thing the last time I gave blood back last fall um, I was able to see like what kind of antibodies my blood had and it shows that I've been vaccinated but not that I've had it.
1: Oh, well, there you go. So, Is that um, that when they also told you that you had that special blood, those special characteristics, those mutagens that give you special powers?
0: um, No, that was the thing we're not supposed to talk about.
1: I apologize. I apologize. (sighs)
0: Jeez, I tell you one little secret and suddenly you're exposing me as one of the (laughs) (laughs) X-Men.
1: Yeah, well... You know, I'm just taking your word for it. Biggest fan, biggest fan.
0: Well, if you are joining us this week, it's highly likely that you have been listening to us for a while now and, and know that we are in the middle, um, actually right now, exactly in the middle of our Harry Potter series. Uh, we have, we are four movies in, we've got four movies left. Um, so, two weeks ago, of course, we did the first two movies. Um, 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 remind me of their names. Sorcerer of Stone <laughs> and Chamber of Secrets. it so long. Uh, it, was, it was a long time ago. Two weeks is just crazy. You've gotten COVID since then? It's just nuts. Um, last week, of course, we uh, dove into Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. This week, we hit five and six. The Order of the Pahonics. And the Half Blood Prince. Oh, I'm sorry, Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. Wow, <laughs> hooked on Pahonix worked for me. So, uh, without any ado, let's get into these uh, these movies because um, they're lengthy. They're they're lengthy movies, uh, as as these Harry Potter joints tend to get. So, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Some of the basic info we want to look at. It was released, of course, in 2007. It's directed by David Yates. Uh, And he actually has gone on to direct the rest of the Harry Potter movies, as well as all three of the Fantastic Beasts movies thus far. Uh, Some of the additions to the cast, this time around, we always get new people coming in. Uh, This time we get Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange. The best. who is brilliant in that role
1: she's
0: amazing uh Imelda Staunton is it Staunton or Stan I mean I know we've got a town in Virginia called Stanton Staunton but we pronounce it Stanton. <laughs> but her name is Staunton right
1: uh I don't know how to pronounce her name
0: um Ms Imelda Staunton if we we're mispronouncing your name please um I beg your forgiveness, but you played, she played Dolores Umbridge, who may be even more hated than Voldemort himself.
1: Oh, I think so. Uh,
0: I'd, I'd be in that camp. Uh, and then as far as young actors go, we get Ivana Lynch, uh, as Luna Lovegood. She's a bit strange, but probably has the purest heart of the bunch.
1: Probably. I mean, I mean, she's a very popular character now. I mean, I, th- I think she's got quite the following of people who like her.
0: Yeah, yeah, she is. She's very popular um, from the books as well. Uh, you know, oh, not yeah. just not just from the movies, but but the actress who plays her um, did just a phenomenal job. And she wasn't even an actress before she took on this role. She was just a, a fan of the books. Uh, all right. So getting into this thing, uh, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a journey. Um, so starting out, Harry is immediately expelled from Hogwarts because, uh, apparently it's not okay for him to save his cousin's life with the Patronus charm when they're attacked by Dementors. Which is uh, ironic. What, just,
1: just ironic, you know, just the difference between the previous movie with the magic and fudge and all that, you know, to this situation. Quite a yeah. different, you know, intro from the other one.
0: Yeah, in the in the past, you know, uh, it's almost like Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, is sucking up to Harry Potter because hey, this is one of the most famous people in our world. Let's let's be friends with this kid. But now uh, you've you've got this situation where this kid claims that the Dark Lord himself has returned from the dead, and so that's obviously a threat to fudge's power as minister of magic and so uh let's let's silence harry as much as we can and so um but it's it's funny here at the beginning uh you know after he receives the letter saying he's expelled from hogwarts uh several members of the order of the phoenix show up to take harry to uh What's the address? Grimold Place.
1: Grimold Place. It's uh what's the is it number 12? I think it might be. 12 or 13? It's something like that.
0: Man, it, we're really good at this. We all the Harry Potter fans out there are gonna be like,
1: you guys suck. <laughs> uh
0: it's Grimold Place, okay? It's it's serious blacks family hold.
1: 12 Grimold Place. You were right, man. You got uh, you got this. Well confident, Trey, you be confident.
0: Okay, I'm working on it. (laughs) so scared. This is only like our 10th episode and I'm just like so nervous. Um, All right, so so it's not okay for, for Harry to save his and his cousin's life with the Patronus, but it's fine for a flock of wizards to fly on broomstick just above the surface of the Thames, like barely dodging boats. I mean, it's not late at night. There's, it's early in the evening, and I mean, there's got to be people who see them, right? <laughs> Muggles everywhere, and but but everyone's okay with this.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So one of the things that uh, that it's it's easy to notice real early on is Harry's attitude uh, in this movie.
1: Yep.
0: Um, and in the book. Now I'm gonna admit something. The first time I read the book, I absolutely hated Harry. Okay. I hated him. I hated his attitude. I hated the way he treated his friends. I hated the way he treated uh, everybody because I don't know, because his attitude is horrible. Um, The next time I read the book, after I reread the series, you know, went back through and I read order of the Phoenix a second time, it was different. It was like, I was processing it differently. And I completely get it now. Yeah. And I'm just like, of course he has a bad attitude and is hateful toward everyone. All right. He witnessed Voldemort's return and the murder of cedric and no one believes him he's being attacked by the ministry of magic the government is attacking him the media is attacking him he's had no contact from any of his friends all summer and then finds out that that was on the orders of dumbledore his mentor and then he finally gets to school and dumbledore continues to ignore him and distances Um, himself from harry
1: all year yeah you know the funny thing is it's like when we were doing Goblet of Fire everybody was was treating him and saying Potter stinks and he didn't seem to really care about that yeah. as much as he cared that Ron was being a jerk to him and it's and it's like everything's like he the kid can endure a lot he can endure the entire wizarding world thinking he's like an idiot or, or a dummy or, or or a liar even um, but if, if it's for somebody in his inner circle you know what I mean then he is you know really upset and I think we go from the sadness, you know, into a growing adolescence, and and for, and then into this, and it's really hard because you know, you know, this you got this problem where Dumbledore is—he's just expectant to talk to him or have this moment with him, especially when he's in the courtroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he just doesn't even look at him. Yeah. And I know you're going to get to this in a minute, but my one of my favorite scenes in the in the movie it happens later when he yells at him he says, look at me, you know what I mean? And uh, it's a powerful scene to kind of almost express all of our frustration about the entire snub that's been happening the entire, Mm -hmm. go ahead. I'm sorry. Jump ahead.
0: No, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, Please interject as much as you want to. Um, I do think that comparing the movie to the book, I think his, his attitude makes that positive shift earlier in the movie. Than we see it in the book. I, I, for whatever reason, I remember in the book just feeling, having this horrible feeling towards Harry, like for most of the book, like right. feeling like he's such a jerk, like all the time, right. you know. But but in this one, like it feels like early on, it's like he has this this epiphany, and and he walks into the the Great Hall and and just asks. Ron and Hermione if if he can join them. And it's like, well, okay. I mean they they never turn their backs on you. It was it was you all all along. So
1: Well, yeah, and and you look at some of the things that have happened along the way, this this feeling like nobody understands what he's going through, nobody's giving him credit. The book, I mean, she obviously Rowling writes it where you can kind of get in his head, you know, not only how he's feeling this. What about why why am I not trusted? I've done all of this stuff. What's going on here? And then you also have this sense that also he's like isolating himself because he's like, now no one can understand what I'm going through. You can't understand about me writing on my hand, you know, or writing and and having this torturous situation. You can't understand, you know, the delicate nature of everything. Nobody can understand. And it just, he just continues to isolate himself until I guess at, at some point it's like, now what? You know, yeah. Maybe he got tired of his own pouting. Well, that- that's
0: that's a good point too. You know, he's he's frustrated with, with Dumbledore, you know, he feels like he's turned his back on him, but at the same time, whenever he should be going to Dumbledore with with problems that he's obviously having,
1: yeah,
0: he doesn't because like there's I, I remember so one scene in particular, it was after his um his detention with Umbridge. Yeah. Where you know she has that special quill that does carve into his hand as he's writing on the parchment. Um, you know, Hermione's advice is tell Dumbledore she right. can't get away with this, and all, all Harry says is he's got too much on his plate as it is. I'm not going to add to it. Which and so he's making excuses for Dumbledore, right. while at the same time being frustrated that Dumbledore's not paying attention to him.
1: I it, wondered if that was more like a why so i can just get rejected again you know what i mean
0: that's yeah but,
1: but saying the other you know he's got too much on his plate but but i don't know you know i mean it's it's
0: it could be either way i, I feel like that, that's a good point though. That,
1: you know it could be both at the same
0: what is the point of of going to him if he's just going to ignore me anyway or you know why why go and add to you know give him another reason to ignore me later
1: my hat's off though for the writing about ron's character and um because in the portrayal by Rupert Grant, because you know, in the last movie, of course, we had Ron being disloyal, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, and then coming around, right? In this movie, both he and Hermione are just through and through supporting him, yeah. recognizing the gravity of what's happening with him. And I think there's there's also this moment, where this goes beyond just this is their friend and they need to protect their friend to this is like serious and people are going to die and people think you're happening. And this is like, you know, it's almost like this goes into a deeper loyalty. You know, it it just takes it to a new level, if you will.
0: Um, So we've mentioned Dolores Umbridge. She comes in uh, and this is just the Ministry of Magic interfering at Hogwarts. Uh, Umbridge is—I uh, can't remember her exact title—but she's basically Fudge's right-hand man, if you will.
1: Yeah. Um, she, she eventually. What were her titles? She became a high inquisitor.
0: She, yeah. So she starts off the school year as the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, That's right. That's and right. she's worthless at that. She's yeah. she's just teaching like the theory of Defense Against the Dark Arts. Of there the is 1950s no practical
1: manual that they brought out, right? The 1950s-looking, yeah. Different. Yeah, it's,
0: it, it's almost like uh, the manual C, Dick, and Jane run.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought of the uh, manual from Beetlejuice. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: for the recently deceased. Um, now, so she starts off as uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. Uh, and then when she reports to Fudge that things are not uh, running, I guess, up to snuff at Hogwarts, she's then given the title of High Inquisitor so that she can basically run her own investigation and railroad Dumbledore. Uh, and then once Dumbledore is ousted uh, as headmaster, she takes over as headmistress. Headmistress. Um, so it's, it's, she's, she's there basically just to shut down any further talk of Voldemort's return. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously, she, she takes over Hogwarts for a hot second.
1: Peckapalooza, I should let you know, I tried to call my wife headmistress of our household. It didn't go well. That was not a title that I should have called her. No? No. High Queen, she would have taken that. Supreme Leader, she would have taken that. Um, Boss me. I think she would have taken, but not headmistress. This headmistress doesn't work. That kind of, that was like a connotation of almost saying, hey, Barwinch, can you get me another flagon? You know? And so, my bad.
0: I do like Winch. Winch is good. Winch is fun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Kate, do you like the music? I love the music. How and they always have such great music in all of these movies. But the, the Dolores Umbridge, da, 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 yeah. The score thing. for
0: this one is is Perfect. really really good. Yeah, and and her her specific like character character score. It's like uh, you know how like in Star Wars, John Williams. Every every character has like their own sure. music. Sure. uh so it's it's good when it like you you get this like signature tune yeah for for uh certain characters and uh yeah hers is um spot on i mean it's it's just she is she is a walking conundrum she is pure evil inside and out but she loves kittens and wears pink all the time and speaks in such a sweet, syrupy voice.
1: Yeah. Um, but like she's a book.
0: toad on the inside.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and I was going to mention that because the book describes her like she's a toad. And you yeah. know, in the little artwork that came in the first book, she had that almost like Cheshire cat, you know, just wide face look. Well, she's
0: she's got a toad face.
1: She had a toad face. But I, I love how they didn't like go for that and yeah. and picking um uh staunton stanton for the role um because she um she she's actually you know she looks like a teacher yeah you know, she she's dressed she looks like a sweet lady like a sweet who lady who's evil it's like the
0: secretary for the minister of magic and that that's fine she's she's doing a great job for I what just, she is
1: she is something but she else. is evil oh my god and she
0: must be destroyed
1: so so crazy
0: um, so we did mention the order of the phoenix a while ago this is a, a group um you know obviously they came and 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 brought harry from the dursleys at the start of the film uh this is sort of the opposing force to voldemort's death eaters yeah um it's like okay going back to the star wars if you've got the sith you got to have the jedi That's right. And so um, there's got to be balance, balance in the force, balance in the wizarding world.
1: You serious black in this one. You know what I mean? Not the one that we've seen. Oh, yeah. Barely saw, you know, in in, and you get the
0: real serious black.
1: You get the real serious. And he looks like he looks like a wizard pirate. I mean, he's he's awesome. He looks amazing.
0: This is the kind of guy that like you would want this guy to be your godfather. I know this is, this is the guy you want to go hang out with on the weekends. He's I, super fun. I
1: should I should admit, I have on a mantle in my office here, I have a, a the serious black one from Universal. Nice. You know, I, I'm such a fan. I I, you know, of course Gary Oldman as well, but man, his character is so flipping cool. And and just even just looking at Harry and 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 that whole discussion, you know, about his involvement and and him agreeing with Harry, he sees in Harry like we need to empower these these kids are who we were. Yeah, and we, they need support. And you know, you have you know uh, uh, you have Molly, of course, and then you even have uh, Loomis. You know, just trying to. I mean Lupin. Lupin, sorry, Lupin. Remus trying... Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> Loomis, Lupin, yeah. you got you have Lupin and, and Molly all trying to be careful pull back these are just children but serious c's no these were us yeah and and we needed support we need to support them you know oh man i just love it
0: yeah yeah that's you're you're exactly right this was them 20 years ago uh the first time around this is this is what we were doing we were trying to fight this battle and and now it's their turn so uh yeah it's you know, these, these are the guys who they're guarding against Voldemort, getting his hands on the prophecy that's pertaining to himself and Harry. Um, but then within the school, you've also got what is referred to as Dumbledore's army. So because Umbridge is not teaching practical defense against the dark arts to the students, uh, a whole slew of them hatched this idea for Harry to teach what he has learned practically over the years. And and they're really impressed with him because he has faced Voldemort twice, three times in the past. Um, he's proven that he can uh produce a full-bodied uh Patronus, which is well beyond the what a third year should have been able to do at the time that he first did it, right? Um one problem I have, so so we've got the character of Cho Chang who returns. Uh, and we knew Harry had a, a crush on her. Yep. Uh in his fourth year, uh yep. in the last movie. But of course she was dating Cedric. Yep. Uh up until his untimely death. Yep. Uh but you know, now now they're they're back and there's clearly an attraction for each other. Yep. Um, but so this is this is a thing that it's it's an obvious difference from the book and again it's something that that probably had to happen just for the sake of time but in the book you know it's never intended for them to be this is the couple that's going to make it right Joe and Harry are just yeah it's it's a puppy love it's a first crush thing yeah
1: that sort of thing
0: and and so in the book they kind of drift apart because they simply don't have anything in common. Right. But in the movie, they split because uh, it, it's Cho that reveals the secret of Dumbledore's army because Umbridge interrogates her and uses Barrett's Barrett's serum, serum yeah.
1: to force her to tell the truth, which they, which they didn't know,
0: which they didn't know. They find that out at the end and finding that out, one would think that absolves her of any, wrongdoing and harry would have forgiven her and given her another chance but there's nothing mentioned it's just all right that didn't work out move on to jenny
1: it's fine as one who has been through a relationship that ended abruptly only to realize that it didn't need to end abruptly and then realizing days later oh it's about time it should have ended anyway you know (laughs) i can say that maybe it could have been one of those situations where it's like you know, we're good. It's good, good. You know, just kind of let it go for let's there. Just call it a day. <laughs> let's just call it a day. You know, you do you, you know. But uh yeah, yeah, that was, you know, there's it's kind of brushed under the rug a little bit. It's like, oh serum. my bad. You know what I mean? It's just kind of gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you really treated her like crap, you know.
0: Remember you- that show thing? Could you not remember that? Let's forget that she was a thing.
1: I mean, you got to think. You got you got two, three things going on here. One, she loses her boyfriend, who's killed. Who's Voldemort's first, you know, kill? Not first kill because he killed the caretaker. Well, guy. technically,
0: Wormtail killed him.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Wormtail killed him. But still, <laughs> you know, he's loses the boyfriend. Then she's tortured and put in the lie detector veritaserum, and then she gets scapegoated. You know, for being like, you know, the the revealer. She's the Judas. You know. And then she just gets brushed on the rug and never thought again, thought of again. You know, it's just like, bye, Joe. I
0: really did. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the one of the like small things, if you're if you're paying attention to it, um, the actress who plays Jenny, Bonnie Wright, yeah, her name, yeah, um, does a great job. She she has no lines in this scene, but after they've gone and and had their secret. Like sign up meeting, yep. At um, uh, oh, what's the what's the bar the pub there in in Hogsmeade where they meet? It's it's where Aberforth is.
1: Is that the Three Brewsticks?
0: No, no, no. That's that's where Madame Rosmerta is. Oh. She's the barmaid. Um, Aberforth is. Uh,
1: what's that place called? It's the Hog-
0: We don't know it's Aberforth yet, but we see him.
1: Hog? Is it Hog something?
0: Hogshead. The Hogshead Head Inn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that's where they have their meeting. But anyway, coming back to Hogs, Hogwarts, uh, you what know, hog of course, Ron, Harry, and Hermione are all walking to the front, and, and you've got the other main kids kind of backing them up, and, and you see Ginny behind, right over Hermione's shoulder. And Hermione makes mention that uh, Cho couldn't keep her eyes off of him. And the look on Ginny's face, <laughs> she goes from smiling to boom. I hate Cho.
1: <laughs> like, just,
0: yeah. like, as soon as she hears Cho's name, it's like, oh, seriously?
1: You know, Cho, or, or Jenny, didn't, didn't see you and Cho go off in the Forbidden Forest? You know, at the end of the- Cho know, who? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh,
0: you
1: man. wanted her swept under the rug, so I swept. <laughs> um,
0: all right, so, uh, moving on to occlumency this is a big word that's introduced in this movie and in the book still a big um word. yeah i am still not quite sure what it means okay. like offsides in soccer i, I just don't get it <laughs> um so that's harry has this reference
1: to <laughs> what is that, that, that a ted lasso reference absolutely it is <laughs> good, job. good job
0: uh so harry has this unintentional connection to voldemort and is able to see what he's up to from time to time he can't really control it and so the fear is that Voldemort could realize that this connection is there and manipulate Harry, which eventually, he, of course, he does. In the meantime, Dumbledore has Snape teach Harry how to shield his mind from Dumbledore, or from Dumbledore,
1: from Voldemort. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> he he's so good at Alan Rickman's just the best, right? He really is. God rest yep. his soul. Um
0: so so you've got you've got Snape teaching this and it's because Snape is so good at it. He has worked as a double agent, yep, for so long that the dark lord thinks that Snape is 100% on his side when really he's 100% on Dumbledore's side,
1: which I think is extremely helpful how it blends because it I mean really you wonder like did no one ever really suspect snape was you know one way or the other but the idea of introducing this occlumency is i think really good to kind of protect his role there you know yeah but it also creates a window for you to think in the next one that wait a second
0: maybe he's using occlumency to fool dumbledore
1: exactly
0: yeah and that that, and that was again this goes back to the the brilliance of of you know this story overall it's (laughs) throughout all of these books you have this constant question in your mind is Snape a good guy yeah is is he a bad guy what's what's going on here we know he used to be a death eater yeah but if Voldemort has returned you know is, is he gonna go back to Voldemort and so I don't think we talked about it last week and I hate that I left this out But there's a scene uh, at the end of or, you know, at the end of the second act, I guess, of of Prisoner of Azkaban. They're coming back out of the Shrieking Shack. Yeah. and, And Snape is pissed off that Harry attacked him. Yeah. But it's at this same moment that Lupin is transforming into a werewolf. Yeah. And Snape throws himself in front of the kids and holds them back to keep them safe from the werewolf. If you want to see Snape's true intentions in these movies, right look at that scene. That yeah. tells you everything you need to know about the real Severus Snape.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's something else's character and how that arc goes, but that whole scene where he's, he's, he's training with Harry there. And then of course, Harry is a great young wizard. And so he catches on. And of course, he's got the gumption to want to keep Snape out of his mind anyway, but it backfires. It.
0: Well, he so he doesn't just doesn't just shield his his mind from from uh, from Snape at that point when they're, you know, when they're practicing. He it's it's almost like he causes Snape's legilimens to backfire. Did and you
1: say, say that again. Legilimens.
0: Legilimens.
1: legilimens. So Good that's what great. it's called.
0: That's what it's called when you're reading someone's mind. Occlumency is what it is when you're trying to block them from reading your mind. Le- 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 Legilimens.
1: Legilimens. Man. That's... Okay,
0: so Legilimens is the noun version. So you are a Legilimens if you can read others' mind. Legilimency is the reading of people's minds.
1: I would like to be a legiliman. Le- 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 I can't say it. I can't a a Lilliputian. Le- le- <laughs> My gracious. I never knew this. Yeah, lore and stuff.
0: So, so in Fantastic Beasts, uh, when we meet Queenie, yeah, she is a Legilimens. She easily reads people's minds. Okay, I got you. I got you.
1: Wow. Well, thank you, Tech That is quite the etymology. You're Uh, welcome. So, Um, so that's one to grow on. Yeah. So, so like diving into when that happens, and he gets into Snape's mind. That whole thing. It's like the proof that sure enough James was a bully.
0: Oh yeah, he was. James was a bully. He was egged on by Sirius and and Lupin. Wormtail was just hanging out <laughs> like,
1: like a little wormtail dag- dangling behind. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah, and and so unintentionally Harry gets a glimpse of of some of Snape's backstory and this of course is not something that Snape wanted to reveal. Doesn't matter that he has Uh, done everything in his power to actually protect this kid for the last five years he hates that harry potter has now seen that severus snape was ever at any point vulnerable
1: vulnerable or weak
0: yeah and so um of course this causes an abrupt end to his occlumency lessons and so that's that's the end of that and so from now on you know harry is not going to be it's there's a i feel like they make a bigger deal out of it in the book yeah. that these lessons are never finished and and so harry's mind is wide open to manipulation by voldemort
1: Yeah.
0: um so just before we get to the climax of the film uh hermione is able to trick umbridge into going to the forest to find what she calls a weapon that Dumbledore has been preparing. Um,
1: and Can I ask you a question real quick before we get yeah, into it. Yeah, go that? ahead. Do you consider that, because at one point, whether in reading the book or watching movies, I thought to myself, why didn't Dumbledore just have Snape start off with that? What I later thought was, well, you know, maybe because he didn't know how vulnerable Harry was, then he didn't want to reveal Snape's loyalty To Dumbledore being true, that's the only thing I can think of as to why, if if Dumbledore was immediately concerned about this connection now that Voldemort was back, that he wouldn't just immediately throw him into those Occlumency lessons with Snape at the start instead of doing the whole snub thing. That makes
0: sense, Um, and that you know that the logic there is, I I think, is sound um that's the only thing I could because
1: it's to, to protect because he, he really didn't know but at that point once that stuff started happening he started having those dreams where he could see into voldemort's mind too and it's like hey we've actually got an opportunity here you know what i mean right. where we can kind of get into seeing the other side
0: so and and that's that's something that i've i've often wondered about these movies is why you know what is what keeps Dumbledore from being honest with Harry from the start yeah why are there so many secrets that have to come out each year I I know it's because we're selling books and we have to keep readers involved and oh you got to come back to the next book because more questions are going to be answered and then we're going to ask some more questions it'll be
1: don't break the wall we're still in the zone we're still in the fiction zone
0: (laughs) right so but but it's
1: it's real it's like (laughs)
0: You know, you've, you've got all of these things that Dumbledore knows about, and clearly he has a plan, and, you know, but he's not sharing it with Harry, he is not, he's not telling Harry everything that's going on, he doesn't, he doesn't tell Harry why he's important. Well, you know, if, and, 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 you know, there's a part of me that wonders too, you know, they they keep talking about, the, about this prophecy that Voldemort wants to get his hands on, but they never come out and say there's a prophecy that Voldemort wants to get his hands on they just say there's something that he never he didn't have the first time and and so if they had said harry there's this prophecy that pertains to you and Voldemort one of you has to be the one to go get it because no one else can retrieve this prophecy it's got to be somebody who it's about right. and so if Voldemort tries to trick you into going into the ministry of magic to get this thing don't do that <laughs> Yeah, And then, you know, suddenly we don't have the end of the movie, obviously. But it would have been a much
1: shorter movie. Well, I think there's also the act, the idea that, you know, remember Voldemort came to power under Dumbledore's watch. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think there's, a, there's a concern and trepidation of who Harry is, who he could become, not trusting who he's seen him to be. I think that Dumbledore knows he made the mistake. We get that. We get that at the end. And we also see him being completely open with him, you know, in the next movie and the next book. I do think, for the prophecy's sake, there was a great deal of question in the book, maybe not a great deal, but enough for me at least, about who it was really about. Is it really about Harry or is it about Neville Longbottom? That's the whole Neville Longbottom thing didn't even seem to come up or. Anything like that in the movie,
0: right? Yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't really come up in the movie. Um, the question is raised in the books, and I think the answer to that is Voldemort made a choice. Yeah, Voldemort chose Harry Potter, and so that's the one he marked as his equal. So, isn't that what the prophecy says? The the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I'm I'm trying to remember because it was based upon going after like marking one and then he planned on and then isn't that why he went yeah baby? I maybe because he was like this is the one so i'm gonna kill you
0: i think he had plans probably to kill both babies yeah um but harry's the one he went after first and so harry is the one who became the chosen one simply because of voldemort's choice yeah otherwise it would have been uh neville for sure
1: i think there is a lot of uh, the movie has a, it's just going to be difficult in a movie to explain this without having it be another hour i suppose but the book does pretty good but it still can be pretty confusing for a lot of people about the prophecy how that came about why it came about it the book does give some validation to um trelawney yes yeah. trelawney who has been so absurd to us you know since we've met her two two movies prior you know and uh you know, her character is cool. I mean, Emma, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. But um, you know, she's just so stupid and not real and fake and all that stuff. And yet in this movie, not only do you have sympathy for her as she is, you know, just targeted by Umbridge, you know, and, and almost kicked out by Umbridge and all of that, but then you have this prophecy that was a legit prophecy that was actually spoken by her. Yeah. No. And so I think that's, that's an element that gets missed. And then also just what is the point of a prophecy? Why does that matter? You know, what, what does that change about anything?
0: And I I think, I think through the movie, uh, at least the, the the takeaway with the prophecy is, is just uh, showing us that eventually this is going to come down to a, Uh, you know, a fight to the death.
1: Fight to the death. And I think that's a, I I definitely think it's a foreshadowing tool. Um, I feel like the book kind of expanded on it being, it made it more epic, you know, not just foreshadowing. Of course. This this precedes, this is age old. This is bigger than just what feelings and in a teenage boy. And it doesn't matter that he is, you know, this age and Voldemort is that age. It doesn't matter about this. It mat it, and it ultimately comes down to even wands. And it comes down to, you know, you know, who has who has the right of of a wand even and these two great forces against. I mean, just the crescendo of these movies coming towards the end, it just becomes insanely epic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So many, so many little threads that come together to make this huge tapestry. That's it's amazing um so what was this okay so they're they're tricking umbridge into thinking that there's some kind of um weapon out in the forbidden forest uh but really they're just taking her to meet Grop, uh hagrid's full giant half brother um but then dozens of centaurs come from the scene and they don't take too kindly to umbridge's racist remarks yeah um and they drag her away and I'm I'm sorry. This is going to sound horrible, but it's it's a real shame that the Centaurs uh, didn't just kill her in the process.
1: Yeah, I'm
0: just, I'm just going to put that out there.
1: There's a there's some theory on on all that about what happened to her <coughs> afterwards, and it can be pretty dark. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, is this inappropriate?
1: It's it's for... Yeah, but you know, ultimately, we know she didn't die. Right. You know? Um, I think it's been put out there that the belief is that Dumbledore saved her, you know, and, uh, and somehow that, I don't, that there's any literature to support that or anything like that. Maybe, maybe, um, you know, maybe Rolling came out and be like, yeah, Dumbledore saved her.
0: One of those, one of those random tweets that she put out,
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, she, she's out, she's done at that point, but then you had, it's almost like that you you could have like ended the movie there. It's like, yay, but no, we get a whole nother epic conclusion. Yeah, part. now
0: we have to have the big Once fight at the Ministry of Magic.
1: Um, incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, so, so Harry has obviously, he's, he's failed his occlumency and uh, he's getting this image of Voldemort um, torturing Sirius in the Department of Mysteries where the prophecy is being held. And uh, so, you know, of course, with it being serious, that's in danger. Harry is gung ho to go uh, save his godfather. So uh, he and and several other members of Dumbledore's army take flight on Thestrals. Now, I'm not sure how they do this, because uh, at this point, aren't we under the impression that only Harry and Luna can actually see the Thestrals?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the rest of them are just riding air. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they're all like scared that way. And then when they when they're playing, maybe they're spreading
0: like, uh, invisible flying skeletal horses. Yes. Um, but they get to the Ministry of Magic. They face down Death Eaters. Uh, chaos ensues. The Order of the Phoenix arrives. More chaos ensues.
1: So, are we to insu- assume that, of course, Sirius was being tortured by Voldemort, and so the rest of the Order comes in and saves him? rescues him and then oh that's the- right
0: no I, I left that part out that was all fake Voldemort planted that idea in Harry's mind see if he had finished ah. his occlumency class then maybe he wouldn't have fallen for that stuff Lies. trickery deceit churlishness uh so yeah that's
1: they fall down and you got it's just an empty archway Harry uh no, it's not. It's not. What is that thing?
0: Uh, I think it's a veil to, uh, a veil the, other to the other side. Um, because I think it's one of those, in the book, I think it's, uh, again, it's one of those things, someone who's witnessed death is the only one who can hear the whispers on the other side.
1: So for those listening in, recall that the prophecy was obtained by Harry. They've got it there. <laughs> and then Boy,
0: they broke
1: which, it. <laughs> takes it. And, uh, but then as every swoops in, he drops it and it breaks, uh, Malfoy just is kind of losing his, his Lucius. Place here.
0: Lucius Malfoy, not Draco, Lucius. Did
1: I said Draco. I said, no, you me. just
0: said Malfoy. I just wanted to make sure that we're clear that this is the elder Malfoy. Um, yeah, but- I love, I love Harry and Sirius fighting side by side and Sirius mistakenly calling Harry James. Yeah. It's, work, James. it's this beautiful moment between the two of them, and then suddenly you get a Vada cadavera from Fellatrix. Well, no
1: That's probably the thing that ends up being so uh dreadful is that you're you're having all this music and everybody's fighting and doing things on sudden, and then you just have this pause.
0: The score cuts out, score no cuts voices,
1: out. they're just <laughs> and of course, great job, James, and then avada kedavra by uh, bellatrix
0: and he's dead before he falls through the veil yep but the
1: The movie kind of makes it like he's still kind of alive like it's like yeah no nah, like kedavra works as we know
0: it's it's clear in the book that you know the the killing curse is what kills him yeah. and he's yeah. he's dead before he falls through but uh daniel radcliffe uh in that scene you know everything's silent you're you're not hearing him scream but, but the gosh the the pain that yeah. he delivers in that scene away. is
1: fantastic and he gets away and he runs down you know runs after her
0: uh yeah yeah goes after bellatrix she is uh singing her own praises for killing Sirius black um Which, that's
1: her her cousin her cousin yeah cousin
0: yeah um
1: so that Peckapalooza, I would never use the Avada Kadabra on you, cousin.
0: I appreciate that. I'm, I'm not going to make that same promise.
1: Crazy. I wouldn't use on you. <laughs> I might. I might use the other one, though. The Imperious. Imperious.
0: Well, all you got to do is say please and I'll do stuff for you, man.
1: <laughs> that's not true. I have I have so many examples of that. That's not true.
0: Do you? Do you? <laughs> um, all right. So so then we come down to. What is essentially the final battle of this movie, Voldemort versus Dumbledore? Oh, so both of good. these guys, you know, they arrive there in the the main lobby of the Ministry of Magic and uh,
1: calls him Tom Riddle. He doesn't even, he doesn't yeah, even, he, doesn't he doesn't even him call
0: him Voldemort. Right. He doesn't even give him that respect.
1: It's like He's, you've got people that are like, Hugh must not be named, right? And then Harry's like, oh, it's Voldemort. And everybody's like, oh my gosh. And Dumbledore's like, it's Tom. He's just, Tom. what's up, Tom? What's up, Tom? <laughs> You know,
0: and uh, I love the chat. The chapter she, title she, in the book is knows. "The Only One He Ever Feared," yeah. referring to Dumbledore. So good, and it's like, so so you you know it in the movie that Voldemort, he is all, uh, hot air when he when he's talking about killing Dumbledore because he he knows he can't do it. He knows that Dumbledore is a he more powerful wizard than he is.
1: He just knows, and you know. You got to know when he stepped in the room, he peed a little. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Baltimore had a little pee a little.
0: Uh, he probably crapped himself.
1: Yeah,
0: that's true. that's uh, true. How do you know so much about Oops, I crapped my pants? Because <laughs> I'm wearing them, and I just did. <laughs> uh, so
1: Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's right. I
0: love Saturday Night Live. So at this point, you know, they have their little back and forth CGI battle. Lava uh,
1: wands. They had Lava Wands well
0: yeah lava uh shards of glass that turn into dust
1: i love that scene when he voldemort is doing his power and he has his power move and it's like comes in it's silent and he goes and he just like screams and yells and all the glass shatters that scene was like ray finds i mean he's so good at all that in the ride at universal They've got the escape from Green Green Gods, and you see Voldemort, and he does that fire thing where he holds his hand out and he t- sticks his tongue out, and the fireball comes out, you know, and, and it goes up in the air. Yeah, I mean, he is just like great at portraying that whole thing. Mm, great finds.
0: Um, I did like the uh, the thing where uh, Dumbledore had him in this giant sphere of water. I was like, just drown him, just drown him, drown him. Let's end it now.
1: Did it remind you of Willow? Do you remember? And when when uh, Bab Morta and uh, and uh, what's her face are fighting? Um, uh, the witch, or the the one that the one that's the uh, the good witch. Remember, they're fighting, and she does she does the water at her and all that stuff, and then she turns her in, and and she's like flipping her around in the water and all that. Remember I that scene? Remember. You must watch Willow again because it there's there's kind of a likeness to them throwing each other around um and seeing so of course willow is coming out again the the series is coming out and of course you're going to watch the old one before you see it oh absolutely when you see that i want to see. i assume
0: the the, uh special effects are better in order the phoenix than they were in willow right yes (laughs) um so the the thing that happens here at the at the very end of this battle uh, you know, Voldemort knows he can't win against Dumbledore, and so he uh, goes to attack Harry.
1: There you go. What? Finn Sorry, Finn Rizal, that was her name. Oh. Finn Rizal was the good witch. Great. That has
0: nothing to do with what we're talking about.
1: Move on, move on, move on.
0: Uh, so Voldemort attempts to possess Harry and basically, you know, gets into his mind um, again, but this is again where we see that Harry's choices are what really separate him from Voldemort. And and he's able to fight back within himself, uh, almost just by showing pity yeah. to to Voldemort and and just being like, you know, I have people that I care about, and you yeah. don't. You you yeah, don't know how to feel line. love. You can't have friends, and I feel bad for you.
1: Always feeling, yeah. What what a line, you know. I mean, it's almost like that that line that jennifer connelly does you know in lab you have no power over me (laughs) you have no power over me
0: and then of course the minister of magic and all of his flunkies show up and they get a split (laughs) second view he's back oh yeah duh you think
1: harry potter you know man that's that's (laughs) it's such a good scene
0: so uh and then at the end the, the one of the last lines that harry delivers um you know he's he's talking to ron and hermione and and just pointing out that the thing that separates them from voldemort and his death eaters is they have something worth fighting for yeah. um and you know obviously again we 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 know from you know future installments and and knowing more about voldemort from the books you know he's not capable of love he is incapable no. of of forming these relationships that harry just come naturally to him and so so he has people he has a a life that's worth fighting for where voldemort he doesn't care about anybody around him all he cares about is his power
1: yeah his power and survival
0: yeah it's true and really his survival is is only about keeping holding on to that power
1: yeah yeah
0: so so he he doesn't really truly have anything to hold on to
1: no attachments, no love. The more ultimately, of course, we see in King's Cross at the very end of everything what he really is.
0: Yeah. The a shriveled um, up little baby version. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. any other thoughts on uh Lord of the Phoenix before we move on to half blood Prince?
1: Uh, no, I mean, um, no, I think I think that's good. I think it was a, a good a good run, rundown. All right, so headed into uh Half-Blood Prince uh let's see here so we had this one here in 2007 um and then Half-Blood Prince was 2009 two years later Mm -hmm. and uh you know again just like in this last movie in Order of the Phoenix everybody's got a pretty good haircut at this time (laughs) you know they've moved on from you know luckily the 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 uh professor of haircutting and cosmetology is back you know from there i wonder if
0: david yates had something to do with that coming in as director like all right guys everybody gets a haircut you know (laughs) first thing we're gonna do like the thing that alfonso cuaron did in the third one was like essays essays i want you to tell me who your character is yeah that's
1: right but david yates is
0: like screw essays i want haircuts for all the boys
1: haircuts for the boys um this isn't the 60s I think uh, one thing that should be noted is we're going through all these. And of course we're talking about the different directors and David Yates again, does this movie. I have little Prince, but uh, the screenplay uh, writer was Steve clothes and I think he's done them all hasn't. He? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, he, um, he did them all.
1: So we're talking about the dialogue that took it from the book to the screen. I mean, this is this guy. And of course he did it with JK Rowling. So, you know, it wasn't you know, entirely just him doing it, but. You know, that is something to have had that consistency for the characters and their dialogue and their mannerisms and the things that they would say to one another. And um,
0: he's the one, too, who, uh, like, he's openly admitted that Hermione's his favorite character. And so yeah. there are a lot of, like, lines from the books that he has taken from other characters and given to Hermione just because he wants her to say him instead.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 Absolutely. Well, so this this movie at this point because I think there was a lot of time spent on setting up the epic uh, you know the epic nature and journey or where we're headed coming to an end here you know and even kind of getting to know who Harry is and who Harry is going to be in this journey um, at this point now we're really gonna be in the action uh, from here on you know we got three more you know installments here, two books really, but Three movies between this one and then the deathly hallows so you know this one starts off um in a pretty dark dark place one second that was a moment for a covid cough. brought <laughs> to you by covid um so starting off uh you know we get uh, a pretty pretty dark situation going on um Kind of two different ways. One, we've got uh, uh, a vision into where Snape lives, you know, a little bit, right? Yeah. You get to see on one side, you know, Snape's, you know, humble abode. <clears throat> and we get to meet, for the first time, uh, Draco Malfoy's mom, uh, accompanied by um and Carter, uh, who is um, Bellatrix Lestrange. They come to- They're Snape sisters, after- right? Yep. And they have a very cryptic Narcissa. conversation. Yeah, it's Narcissa and uh, she is a black, right?
0: She, well, Lestrange.
1: Um, Lestrange, that's right. Sorry, Lestrange.
0: But they are cousins of the Sirius and Regulus. And...
1: So, um, they come to have a what is a cryptic conversation with, um, with Snape. One of my favorite lines in this little part is when Snape says to Bellatrix, he's like, the tricks we do not touch other people's things or this something like that doesn't he say so some line that's pretty funny like we I must not touch, we must not touch things that aren't ours or something like that he's so funny but um they get together and basically there is a task to be performed that is draco's to perform whatever it may be
0: something voldemort's tasked him with yeah
1: yeah, yeah voldemort's tasked draco malfoy of all people to do it and uh you know, he's kind of egged on by Bellatrix. You'll give it your best, I'm sure, to protect Draco and make sure he does it or to ensure that he does it. But they in, instill this unbreakable vow. First time we've seen this one. And it is a deal. I mean, it is like a deal with the devil. I mean, this is a, a, a wand, a binding thing. And if you don't do it, you die. So he has basically said that he will... Um, help Draco fulfill the task that's been assigned to him, whatever it may be. All right, so that's one. We get a little set up there. We also get to see Harry and Harry's having a fine old time hanging out at a a late night diner about to pick up the waitress. Good job, Harry. We don't need no Joe, you know? Talk about that tosser, Harry Potter. A tosser, Harry Potter. (laughs) Which don't look up what a tosser means. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. Um, Tulsa really. <laughs> that's that's not a good I- idea. You can look up what snogging is. I suppose that's probably okay. That's just kissing. That's just kissing. Anyways, so uh Harry gets to see Dumbledore there who shows up right at that subway station right there. And they go and and find themselves um wh- where is it where is it they go to?
0: Uh it's just some random village.
1: Just a random village? Okay.
0: I don't know that it's ever said where, where it are- is in the the books books or not but
1: so anyways, they they go to this like home that looks like i mean it's like broken down looks like haunted even it's got like blood coming from the ceiling and stuff and poking around and sure enough disguised in an armchair or as an armchair you know we have really pretty funny character um who's it play who's he played by
0: jim broadbent
1: oh yeah jim broadbent uh so it's Horace uh, Slughorn, Professor Slughorn. Now, this guy, I don't know for those listening if you've ever seen movies, but you'll notice that this is the guy from uh, uh, Moulin Rouge. Um, He's done done a lot of different movies, but I mean, a lot of people remember him from Moulin Rouge as as being like the ringleader and uh, everything's going so well. He's like the, he's funny. But so this guy... um, has been basically hiding out and he has been being pursued by the death eaters to become one of them join along in the ranks and uh well slughorn has been hiding and is kind of um you know reluctant to kind of share that reluctant to kind of take sides just want to stay away from any of the danger or anything like that and dumbledore pretty much uses a little reverse psychology and says yeah, you know what? I see a lost cause. I I get it. I know it. I'm not going to pressure you. Good luck. Take care. And he leaves. And Slughorn... But the trick
0: is, he had him meet Harry.
1: Yeah, he had him meet Harry. <clears throat> and Harry uh, quickly learns that when Slughorn was a professor at Hogwarts, he actually taught his mom, Lily.
0: Yeah, and Slughorn is is easily drawn to uh students who he believes will one day acquire fame and or fortune
1: right that's right. This is
0: what he's drawn to
1: yeah he's got it he's got a very prideful about he's got like a mantle of pictures and all these things in it
0: yeah oh uh, what's it uh dumbledore calls it collecting students um <laughs> And and when he's there in that that house, he's showing off his his pictures, um, and isn't his mom, his mom is in one of them. Uh, I think it's a class picture, but his mom is is standing right next to, uh, Professor Slughorn, and is and he's very proud to have have taught Lily Potter. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know he's he's showing off others. He's showing off like the 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 student who would one day have become the editor of the Daily yeah. Prophet. Yeah uh yeah. one of the um members or one of the team members of the Hollyhead Harpies the quidditch yeah. team gets yeah. him tickets whenever yeah. he wants whenever
1: them he wants, yeah and all that stuff and it's and so anyway he's very proud of that you can tell he has an affinity i think at, throughout the movie you're kind of getting to know whether or not he is a genuine person or not a genuine person and uh, ultimately he really is a, a genuine person and not just fake or anything like that yeah but you know, the whole purpose of this is he is essential and you come to learn to not to go scene by scene, but rather you come to learn that the whole point of getting there is to uh, a, get a, a memory out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is an accurate memory, not a false memory, but an accurate telling of what Voldemort has been up to or after since he was a kid at Hogwarts, what, yeah. he, what the whole thing's about. And, um, and so they they accomplish that task for him to come. Now I skipped over this part, but we know that the Death Eaters are active and that they are violent and dangerous because we see a, a Muggle attack uh, in London uh, right at the get go. We see yeah. the a bridge in London just like get you know uh, ripped apart.
0: What was that the Millennium Bridge?
1: Yeah, it's that 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 <laughs> uh, new contemporary. one. are well, not new anymore, but you know.
0: Well, yeah. Now it's in the Thames.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> so, they also
0: they also kidnapped Ollivander.
1: They did. They went and kill, kidnapped Ollivander, and we get to see Fenrir uh, Greyback, which so. confuses.
0: Uh, not to interrupt, but Fenrir Greyback as a Death Eater confuses me. I think in the books he's kind of on the fringes of being a Death e- Death Eater. Yeah, but like obviously here he is front and center and, well, they, I and that confuses me because yeah. you know with with voldemort being as racist as he is yeah. uh, you know with you know believing in 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 you know pure bloods blood. and uh which you know again is is just crazy to think of because he himself is a half blood yeah i know um but uh
1: you know for him
0: to allow fenrir Gray- grayback a full blown werewolf to be a part of his inner circle it just seems crazy to me
1: you know i'll i'll also share something that that's that's bothered me about it too and maybe you know an answer that works this out but you know how in disney we have pluto and we have goofy
0: and yes, both these
1: are dogs yeah and yet goofy is like Almost like he's he's he
0: know, wears clothes, he he drives a car,
1: he has a kid. A dog. He's a normal dog. Well, then we've got Lupin, you know what I mean? Who is like when it, he turns into a werewolf, that guy's a werewolf. We're talking American werewolf in London, kind of werewolf, right? And then you've got Fenrir, great Fenrir, grayback here, who's like a half one. Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: he, he looks like he's in the middle of transforming the entire time.
1: Yeah I I so do you you know what he looks like he looks like Leave Schreiber in X-Men origins you know the the <laughs>
0: Yeah yeah he's Sabretooth
1: Yeah Sabretooth So is that am I missing something I mean I why, think it's I just know, versions a of werewolves
0: I think it's just a, a makeup decision just we're we're showing off that this is Fenrir Greyback we want you to know he's a werewolf without him actually transforming into full-blown werewolf.
1: Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, we're just going to just gonna let that one go into the script. Yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> he, they do, they take Ollivander. Um, but why?
0: Well, that's not something we find out until Deathly Hallows.
1: That's right. Part two. <laughs> so, you know, and it's something easily forgettable, you know what I mean? And so I think that we have crazy things going on with the Death Eaters, you know, and um, and so as we approach going to the school and and getting um, you know Slughorn involved and and uh, as now the potions professor, the potions right. professor, and that's yeah. crazy because Snape has been the potions professor and has always wanted to be the dark arts professor, and guess what, he now he is. is.
0: And it's funny going into the school year, I, I think even. I remember reading the book, you know, when they went to recruit Slughorn, I'm thinking, Oh, he taught defense against the dark arts back right. in the day. Right. And so, so we're, we're trying to bring this guy back. No, you get to school and he's the potions guy.
1: Yeah. The potions what? Guy. Well, so, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy though. You know, you get uh, a new element in the school year with, he's like hosting like parties, little cotillion get togethers with the kids You know what I mean? He's collecting his students. He's collecting his students. You've got, um, and then you have this budding romantic relationship between Ron and Hermione.
0: Oh, there's love in the air all over the place.
1: All over the place. Like, it's it's
0: ridiculous. Like, the hormones are going crazy this year.
1: And this one had more of that than ever. You just don't have a lot of room for it, like, in, in Deathly Hallows. Now, Deathly Hallows did have its romantic elements in it, definitely. But... This movie allowed for us to be able to see the the, the teenage uh, love issues that go on in the in the high school. You know, I mean this this one was like classic. One of my favorite scenes was when Ron is recovering in the hospital, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. he's asleep, and the girl who's what's the girl's name? Lavender. Lavender.
0: Oh, she was obnoxious. Come oh,
1: one Ron. Well, Ron. Ron, <laughs> Ron. She comes in there and she's just all about him and just having all the teachers in the background just kind of watching, you know. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dumbledore says, as they, she runs out crying, you
0: oh, know, the sting of oh. young love.
1: <laughs> That's right. He's like, Oh, to be young, If feel you love's cold sting, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is kind of actually funny for him, you know what I mean? Especially who felt really love sting as we learn later. <laughs> but you know spoilers (laughs) sorry but anyway so um we have that going on we have this relationship with uh harry and um and uh, jenny um i should point out uh and and probably should have covered this earlier but man we we really see that the weasleys suffer you know in their own home which uh, so
0: this is Last week, when we talked about which of these movies I like better, and I said I liked Order of the Phoenix better than this one, this is one of the reasons why I disliked Half-Blood Prince, um, because that never happened in the book. Yeah. There was never an attack on the Weasleys' home, the burrow. Yeah. They, They completely set this joint on fire. Yeah. But then when we get to the beginning of Deathly Hallows, it's fine. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, magic. as if
0: there's never been a fire at all.
1: You don't have to have a fire department in the magical community. You just sure
0: let's just write all that away as magic. The house didn't aguamente. burn down.
1: You know, my I was always oh. just in there going, Why why aren't you guys using like aguamente? You well, know I mean? I'm, like, I'm standing there watching it burn. I'd just be like. Everybody's wands out. Let's go. Well,
0: you're watching it and like you're registering this look of pain on everyone's faces as they watch their home burn. And like yeah. Molly's face, especially like devastated. she is devastated. Yeah. But again, you know, the, the, the beginning of the very next movie, it's like nothing ever happened. Why put that scene in there at all if we're going to pretend like it didn't happen?
1: You know, I think.
0: I just- mean, it's not mentioned. I'm I, sorry. I just I have a problem with it, man.
1: No, no, I get it. I, I think, if anything, it could have been for progression. You know, if you think about like what we have to get to in order to get the action going in the movie, um, it takes quite a bit, you know, to be able to get towards anything action-packed happening. You have stuff with Malfoy happening. You have the thing that happens on the train, but it's nothing epic. Well, yeah,
0: and that's and that's exactly why they did it. I I actually, you know, I looked that up. you know some of the trivia for the for the movie, and they they added that scene simply because they needed some kind of uh, okay. action to to happen to you know keep it from being a lighthearted movie. They wanted it to stay in line with the tone of Order of the Phoenix and what they knew was to come in um, uh, uh, Deathly Hallows, right. and and they you know and and part of that you know this bit of trivia too was you know why didn't they turn the the final um you know the climax of the movie into a bigger battle between um you know everybody all the you know you had have the uh death eaters that invade hogwarts and yeah. and it's, again it's because they didn't they knew they had the battle of hogwarts coming up in the final movie and so, so we don't like, want to repeat ourselves and so it just turned just into in something much smaller
1: right no absolutely well you know i i and, and that's i think that's why it's, it's a bit of a forgettable scene for me not because it wasn't intense but because you know the book i think the book just builds progression i didn't get bored in the book at all you know what i mean so yeah sometimes with a book you know you don't necessarily need that visual stimulation obviously because you're not watching anything but you you're you know there's intrigue there's mystery there's things you're trying to figure out You know, and so that kind of pushes you along to figure out what's happening. And it can carry you for an entire book. But I guess visually, people just need a little more of a pop maybe. But in any case, you know, uh, to kind of speak to the title of the film, The Half-Blood Prince, uh, the reason why we come into that kind of term is because in Harry taking on potions and actually having an interest in potions for the first time ever since Snape isn't, you know, doing it, um, Harry didn't have a, a book. Uh, and Ron doesn't either. Right. You know, and so they don't have books. So they come into the class and uh, they go and, and grab a book from the shelf. And there's like two copies. One is like a nice copy. And the other the one's, one's like brand ready. new. Yeah.
0: It's clearly so
1: used. They fight over it. And of course, uh, Ron gets the, uh, the, the newer one. And um, so Harry ends up with this book that's actually got writing in it. And it says it's the property of the half blood prince. And this little book has like some great tips, oh, you know, yeah. on being able to like do potions.
0: Harry moves to the head of the class. Head <laughs> of
1: the class, and Slughorn is, you know, teaching that class, and uh, that enables Harry to get a very vital and important uh, thing that for the plot of the the movie and the book, which is liquid luck. Harry is the fir- is is able to. Create liquid death, right, or the, whatever that the
0: draft is. of the sleeping death or whatever living, living yeah. death. I don't that know. I so works.
1: he he makes that uh, best, and then to um, perfection. Yeah, to perfection. And so Slughorn awards him with liquid luck.
0: And how jealous is Hermione, by the way?
1: I know, right? It's so it's so good. So um, so anyway, so you know the plot's going on. We also see uh, an expansion here on Quidditch, where uh ron is now trying out you know to be on the quidditch team i love the scene when there's the, they're doing the tryouts because everybody's kind of talking of course wood is gone he's graduated now yeah so harry's kind of the guy harry's he's our like, captain now he's like hey everybody um uh, just if you uh, wouldn't mind just need to talk and, and jenny's like shut it you know And i was like oh there's molly you know <laughs> <Yeah. And laughs> she's she her, mother's her mother's daughter she's not
0: her mother's daughter
1: so, uh, so anyway, they do the tryouts and, uh, Ron does great and he is, uh, he's going to be the goalie, you know, the keeper, I guess the keeper, right? Another yeah. Call. Keeper. So, um, you know, that's a great thing, but that does kind of get connections there for him to get some fame. And Lavender is all about him. Even does a love potion for him. Um, While all this is going on, Dumbledore is actually being quite candid with Harry throughout the entire story, and is uh, showing him memories. Now we've already seen the Pensieve before, where you can look into memories. So Dumbledore actually opens his memories to Harry to look into, and to see his first encounter with Tom Riddle when he goes and meets him at an orphanage, and invites him to come to Hogwarts. And we learn very quickly that tom riddle is disturbed yeah (laughs) would be right is in need of counseling you know i mean Uh,
0: it's it's somewhat understandable he's yeah he's had a really rough childhood yeah Yeah. he's picked on at the orphanage uh you know clearly (sighs) you want to feel sorry for him but at the same time it's like wait this is the most evil guy in the world. Yeah. How sorry for him do you really yeah, I, I, want to feel? Yeah.
1: And how did you get here? Well, I think, too, it's, it's revealing of Dumbledore's character, how he is like, I mean, you think about an X-Men, right? Professor Xavier, you know, and uh, Magneto, you know, they, they go when they're younger to go and, and meet Jean Grey, you know, and, and try to invite students, you know, into their school who would otherwise be not good, Right. And uh, and so that that effort and that attempt to try to take kids who may just be misunderstood, who don't understand their powers or whatever the case is to bring them in. I think that's pretty awesome. Right.
0: Well, I think it's where we see Dumbledore's heart, too, is that, that, you know, he's he's definitely someone who wants to instruct this kid. Maybe he sees that he's got a darkness to him. But, um, you know, there's there's a hope as a teacher that he is going to be able to um show him a better way and and again it it comes down to you know and this is the theme that we see over and over again throughout the series is that the difference between harry and voldemort is their choices the choices that they make throughout their lives and and the choices that voldemort makes are the ones that clearly lead to him being the dark wizard that he becomes whereas harry makes the choices that lead to him being beloved by all yeah. and and having these loving relationships with friends and 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 creating this family that he never really got to have right so it's 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 great to see just that juxtaposition between yeah. those two characters Dude and the way characters. Dumbledore yeah. treats them both
1: well and we get to see you know and and seeing those memories you know, Harry's getting to know Voldemort from a young age. Now he's already gotten to know him a little bit through with the diary from Chamber of Secrets and his character there, but but nothing like this, you know. So then we get to see another memory that's actually Slughorn's memory, where Slughorn, you know, is asked um, just some probing questions about something that gets warbled and gerbled in the end. You know,
0: and then uh, he begin, he gets very, uh, almost violently, violently angry, angry towards uh, Tom.
1: Tom. That stuff, you know, but it's off. And Dumbledore says, "Well, the reason why you're confused is because it's a lie. It's not the real memory. Yeah. It's you been altered memory. I need you to get it." And Harry's trying everything he can to try to get this real memory. You know, he's trying to connect and trying to even ask or pose the same kind of questions Tom did, just to try to get the intrigue and and Slughorn's not having it
0: yeah that just leads to slughorn getting angry with harry
1: yeah so ultimately harry uses his liquid luck and um and he is able to i mean at his daniel radcliffe's so funny in how he portrays that because (laughs) it's almost like
0: he's slightly drunk
1: (laughs) yeah he's just happy you know like the part when he goes down they, they go down together to uh, Hagrid and yeah. Aragog to the Aragog funeral. And, and he's just like, he, they all, he also has Pinterest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, Hagrid's explaining that the people are scared of spiders and he thinks it's because of their eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Harry's, <laughs> Harry's response and the pincers.
1: <laughs> it's so good. He's so funny. Ultimately, that leads to them. All three of them slughorn Hagrid and Harry going back to Hagrid's side where Harry is sitting by himself on the very large chair, just feet dangling. You know what I mean? And just almost like he's like a hobbit watching a festival. You know, he's just
0: he's just watching these two guys get drunk,
1: just just smiling, Um, (laughs) and not in a condescending way, like in an entertained way. Like if you were watching, you know, like it's a small world or something, you know, so that's not entertaining.
0: That's terrifying. (laughs)
1: come on where's your sense of childhood
0: i got trapped on that ride for 20 minutes
1: liar did you really yes it's horrible oh and it just kept playing over and over Over and over all right so sometimes
0: i still see those faces in my dreams
1: do they all turn their head to you slowly in your dream
0: yes while singing it's a small world in eight different languages
1: and they all look at you oh my gosh so anyway so as uh hagrid you know passes out harry has finally a candid conversation with slughorn i love
0: how he calls him out
1: he does he does he calls him out because yeah it starts off with uh talking about a, a fish that uh slughorn had lost but the fish actually disappeared the day that uh harry's mom died because it was a gift that was given to him uh by by lily when she was i guess you know at school or later or whatever she gave him a gift where it was like a lily and it became a fish and then he kept that he cherished it and then when she died it disappeared and it's the segue into the conversation because you could tell slughorn really cared about her and was very saddened by her death and may even feel responsible for for Voldemort becoming what he became because of their initial conversations that he has buried so deep. So
0: yeah, I think it's I think it's clear that he is he is harboring a great deal of of not just grief for the people who have have been lost in this battle with Voldemort, but but he's also harboring a sense of guilt and for sure. Yeah, uh, for you know just this simple conversation yeah. he had with a student one time.
1: Yeah, that that explains something that no one should ever be talking about, and and we'll get to that. But uh, you know this this moment with, you know him talking. It's just like you're talking about him calling him out. I mean, he says you you dishonor her memory if you don't if you don't tell me if you don't talk to me about what you said.
0: Yeah, he and no. he implores him. He you know, be brave like she was, or her death brave was for, for nothing.
1: nothing. Oh, that's such a such a beautiful moment, and he does. He gives him the memory, and immediately. He goes in the Pensieve pun- 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 with um, uh, Dumbledore, and and they see the real memory, and we're introduced to a new term, a Horcrux. A horcrux. And this dark magic is uh, ability to split your uh, your your soul. And how do you how do you do that again?
0: Murder. Yeah. Uh, the way to, you know, of course, Slughorn in the memory reveals to, uh, Tom Riddle, you know, still as a, a student, still as a teenager, uh, that the way one splits one's soul is by committing a heinous act. Um, and, and that act would be murder. And, and then, and then Voldemort, excuse me, Tom Riddle has the gall, the unmitigated gall to, uh,
1: that so he wants to do it seven times
0: yeah yeah you know is it possible to do it seven times and
1: oh, yeah it's just m- mortified he's like good god why would you yeah how would you do that but i think there's there's a few different things that we can put together here one murdering somebody doesn't give you a horcrux murdering somebody splits your soul what's that what's enables soul. you to be able to use black magic or dark magic to be able to then to create that split yeah. and put it into an object or even a being and uh, that is that is what happens here. And we also know that Voldemort was turned into the way that we we saw him as part of Quirrell in the first movie. Um, and he's drinking the unicorn blood. You know, it's even talked about about drinking that you're like half, you know, not even not even half a, half a life, half a life or something. Yeah, it, and we a we're all reduced to an understanding that Voldemort in his soul he's a fractured soul he is he is like in all these elements but but not all himself you know and he I mean it is as I think Slughorn says it's an offense against nature yeah you know murder is but you know just overall the entire thing is just a gross abnormality to both the natural world and to the magical world and uh, anyway so it's 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 meant to be an extremely sinister awful evil vile thing what's interesting to me is when Dumbledore learns this he is staggered to the point that he has to sit down and he is just he he's like I didn't realize it was this serious what's interesting to me about that because is is and I appreciate this explanation in the in the movie the little quick line they do here because he he pulls out the um the ring he pulls out the um the book the chamber of secrets diary that had tom riddle in it he's like i knew that this was like dark but i didn't know what it what it was or what it related to now this explains it yeah it explains what this is
0: and so now we've already got two destroyed horcruxes with do
1: know how the the, ring- the assumption that there are five more do we know how, how the ring got destroyed?
0: Yeah. Like how he did that? Um, he used the sword of Gryffindor.
1: That's right. He because used- because
0: the sword has been impregnated with the basilisk va- venom.
1: That's right. That's right. So you've got um, a few things going into this. You got the basilisk venom is the way, and then the um, and then the the sword of Gryffindor because it's been imbued. But that's it, isn't it?
0: Uh, those are the only ways that, like, or the ways that we are introduced to in, in the coming books and movies. Um, you know, they, they try to use spells to, to destroy try the to. next Horcrux they find, but, uh, nothing works. Um right. quick question, where, how did Dumbledore get his hands on the diary again? Uh, Harry gave it back to, uh...
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely a plot hole. Um, you're you're absolutely right. He gave it back to, um, well, I don't know. Do we say that he kept it? Because remember- Oh, that's a good point. He threw it to Dobby.
0: And then Dobby's a free elf.
1: Dobby's a free elf. Maybe he gave it to Dumbledore. He gave it back to him. Maybe. Well, so because he, he got the book, he's just like, I got the sock. Forget the book. He yeah. Goes, a, you know, Phil's I'm not like, going to read this. Phil's just like, found this on the, so- the floor, sir. You know, and there you go. So we've explained it. It makes sense now. But we also find out that the ring was um, Tom Riddle's, his mother's ring.
0: Right. It was a family heirloom.
1: We're finding that there are going to be a few things that have meaning. And we'll find that, of course, in the next, you know, in, in Deathly Hallows. But the point being that we know that there's two. And based upon what Tom Riddle said in the memory to sl- with Slughorn, that there's going to be five others.
0: Yeah. And we yeah, also, in, in theory, there are five more that we don't know about yet.
1: We also learn right away that Dumbledore knows or feels like he knows where another one is for yeah. whatever reason. Now...
0: Well, he's been disappearing throughout the year and trying going to on these the little quests, quests, trying to find...
1: stuff. Now, here's the question, though. So here's here's the thing that I'm trying to understand. Maybe you can help me out with this. Dumbledore is devastated, not devastated, but like just staggered by the idea of this crux thing. I had no idea that it would be like this. But then I'm sitting here going... Then what have you been looking for? Why why were you looking for the ring? Yeah, and why what are you looking for this other thing for? Are you just looking for relics, powers, weapons, and I think that's kind of what I lean on is that he's thinking don't, that that there's like relics and weapons and runes and things like that. But yeah, these kind of these... a little bit of a fast backwards thing going on here. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I don't know, I don't know. It could be that he's looking for objects that are you know uh connected somehow to voldemort um, i would
1: have it could have been explained away by him by him saying something like i suspected but i needed to be sure you know what i mean yeah that would have been enough
0: and i think that's that would, how it is in the books yeah I think that it's you know they obviously spend more time and can spend more time with exposition in the book, but the
1: book's selling it.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that's that's how it is. That you know he's he's had this suspicion this whole time that the Horcrux is is how Voldemort has yeah. managed to keep himself alive all this time, but yeah. um, you know, particularly after the the diary incident, yeah. Um, You know, I wonder, I wonder if Dumbledore had any inkling that Horcruxes were a thing that, that Voldemort had been, you know, utilizing because he didn't, he didn't use any of his Horcruxes to try to come back. Right. Um, You know, Dumbledore.
1: Interesting in itself.
0: Yeah. Dumbledore or uh, Voldemort went through Quirrell. I mean, he was, he was uh, just a disembodied spirit that was in hiding and. Uh, you know, the first time he comes back, he's, he's using the body of somebody else.
1: That might not have been fully flushed out from a literary standpoint. Yeah. At that point, that, that could have been something. I know we've talked about how we have a feeling like she knew what she was doing, but that might not have been fully flushed out. You know, could be. but I do think like before we move on to the the, kind of coming to the climax of it, um, it should be said that Malfoy has been going through quite the journey himself since he's been given the task of doing something by Voldemort. And uh, a few things that have been going on is the the Borgin and Burks, uh, that's in the um, Nocturne Alley of Diagon Alley, um, Diagon Alley, uh, Diagon, Diagon Alley. And uh, you know, that place has a vanishing cabinet in it. And there is also a vanishing cabinet in the Room of Requirement. And um, uh, Draco Malfoy is spending a lot of time doing spells and stuff with it. But you're also seeing a transformation and Draco, where he is a bit more isolated. He's not just like the bully kid. He is completely, first of all, he looks extremely dapper. You know, um, Tom Felton, I mean, he's kind of a cute kid, you know, but uh, at the same time, he, he looks pretty dapper and handsome and well dressed, more professional, more, you know, um, adult like in this rendition than he's been before. And um, the fact is, is like he is transforming and becoming
0: well um, and even at the beginning of the even at the beginning of the film he's he's basically convinced that uh this is his last year at hogwarts yep yeah, he he's is. he's here to perform a task for voldemort and you know once he finishes that he is going to uh just be a death eater and he doesn't need this education anymore no, he doesn't yes. need he's hogwarts He's got
1: this dark mark but he also isn't confident that he can accomplish it and he's got a lot of uh He's got a lot of pressure on him as he is having trouble and difficulty making the Vanishing Cabinet work. In the movie, he's crying. You know, I think that one thing that the movie did very well um, is it gave us a visibility to things that we couldn't really see the scope of in the book uh, for him. And I thought that that was very helpful uh, to see that transition because I see him broken down more and more. Yeah. Uh, I see him given this task that makes him feel important and who he is. I have been given this task by the Dark Lord. You know what I mean? Well, but the, the, the sad part hurts him as time goes on.
0: What I was going to say the the sad part of it is that you know the or the truth of it is that Voldemort doesn't have any faith in Draco. No. He doesn't think he's going to be able to pull it off. I mean, you're you're asking this sixth year student at Hogwarts to yeah, kill the most powerful wizard in the world
1: now i think he's doing it as a punishment yeah oh yeah he's, you know,
0: he's punishing he, lucius malfoy for failing him
1: for failing him uh when and dropping the prophecy you know what i mean and uh i think that i think that's 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 a huge part here because draco we start to learn who's evil and who's not evil yeah draco is not evil now he doesn't draco have an enemy. Is a bully and draco's a snob He's a well, product
0: of his upbringing, is what he is. He's product of
1: his upbringing, but he is not evil. And um, and you see the compassion in Dumbledore. We'll get to that, but the point is, is Draco does accomplish his task with the Vanishing Cabinet, which is to be able to get Bellatrix, uh, Fenrir, Greyback, and then a couple other Death Eaters into Hogwarts yeah. uh, for a final act. Um, so there is a cool scene, uh, or a serious scene that happens between Harry and malfoy at some point where harry uses sectum simpra um and uh which is from the uh potions book that he has the half-blood prince book and it's a spell and man he hits as as he and malfoy face off which they have not really done since we saw the wizard's duel that they had um in uh, as in the prisoner of Ask. no no it was it was in chamber of secrets yeah where they had had that that wizard's duel and so they really go at it in the uh the bathroom. They're just like uh attacking each other and he hits them with Sectum Sempra and it without
0: causes- knowing what it's gonna do.
1: Yeah, not knowing what it's gonna do. And it causes his Draco's entire torso to bleed. And he is like it's it's like he's mortally wounded.
0: Yeah. He would have died, he would have bled out.
1: Would have bled out. And then Snake comes rushing in and then heals him. Um, knows exactly what's going on and heals him. Now, that being said, there is this one dialogue that we get with Snape and Dumbledore before Harry and and Dumbledore go off. And in this dialogue, Snape says, do do you ever thought or consider that maybe I don't want to do this anymore? I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. And, you know, Dumbledore's like, well, whether it has or it has, it doesn't matter now. You agreed to it. And, um and so and so there's just again another cryptic situation and now we're kind of brought back full circle because snape has this pact that he has made with bellatrix or really narcissa malfoy's mom and then he also has this arrangement with dumbledore as well
0: so he has a choice to make
1: yeah apparently it seems you know what I mean? yeah so he's bound you know what i mean yeah so you know that's that and you're kind of you're I mean, if you're watching and you're, you know, maybe intuitive enough to kind of suspect this, this whole plot is about Draco killing Dumbledore, you know, and uh, I think you kind of gather that along the way a bit, but for some, it might've been a surprise. Before we get there, um, Dumbledore, after they go in the in the, the, the Pensive to be able to see the Slughorn's memory, they go off to a place where Dumbledore believes a Horcrux Crux is. And it's this cave out in the middle of the ocean, this cave. And this is pretty intense, pretty scary scene, you know, because they go across this uh, boat over to this little rock island. And, you know, Dumbledore's made a deal with Harry. He's like, whatever I ask you to do, you got to do. You got to, I mean, you've got to, you've got to follow my instructions, no matter what. So they get up there to this, you know, to this, uh, on this little rock um, area. And there's, a basin of, of liquid, dark liquid. And Dumbledore knows immediately, I got to drink this stuff. I got to drink it gone. And then the Horcrux will show up. So he does. He starts drinking, but immediately his mind is altered, changed. He is freaking out. Crazy man, crazy wizard man.
0: Yeah, it's like the potion ow, in, ow. incites yeah. madness. But before he started drinking it, he told Harry, You have to make sure I drink this no matter what I say, no matter what I do.
1: Now, what's also interesting here is as he is in agony, and Harry's feeding him this drink, he's in agony. He's saying things like, "It's all my fault. It's, it's my fault. My fault," you know, which yeah. you know is very important understanding Dumbledore as we come to know in the next uh, book or, yeah. or two movies. Um, that th- there's a deep sense of guilt that Dumbledore has that is actually not related to. Um, yeah, it has
0: or, nothing <laughs> to do with Voldemort or, or Harry. Nothing. It's nothing so much further in his past yeah
1: so so as that happens um and they get through you know uh harry finds gets the horcrux which is a locket and interestingly enough he just picks it up you know like there's nothing you know just picks it up and then they got that and Dumbledore's like water it's water there's a water and you got water all around you but also
0: got zombies (laughs)
1: You just don't want to, you know, and this is a great little scene too, because this whole little area is so reminiscent of riddles in the dark, uh, from, uh, the Hobbit, you know, with Gollum, that whole scene where you got this little rock Island and you got this lake around and in, in this area, it's, it's very scary setup, but man, oh man, he touches that water and they're like these zombie creatures all in the water that are just climbing Inferi?
0: Huh? Are They're called, they called Inferi.
1: Yeah, Inferi. But they're like, yeah, zombie-looking creatures. And they come up and they're attacking. Luckily, Dumbledore, I mean Harry goes underwater. Dumbledore rises to the occasion and uses his wand to do his fire trick. And there's fire everywhere, hitting all of them. Even goes down to the water and hits the one that's grabbed Harry. They get out of there. Good to go. I mean, Dumbledore's a little weakened, but good to go. Got the locket back to the tower. The end, not the end. Because, you know, uh, you know, Dumbledore's really not doing too well. And so uh, Dumbledore says, you know, Harry, go get Snape. He'll know what to do. Well, Dumbledore already kind of knows. He's He's kind of been planning for this moment, you know, for a little bit. Because the truth is, is his wound on his hand that he suffered for trying to destroy the, or acquire the ring. Was it acquiring the ring? Not destroying the ring or acquiring it. But whatever the case is. It was,
0: it was, um... was it put the ring on? Huh? He put the ring on. But we don't, we don't find this out until the flashbacks from um, Deathly Hallows.
1: But in any case, he had faced a, a mortal wound anyway. Yeah, and, um, and I don't, I don't think it's okay for us to kind of roll into the reality of what we know is happening.
0: Oh, sure, he's you know, dying. He, he is, he is he a dying absolutely man,
1: absolutely dying. And, and the only reason
0: he's still alive at this point is because Snape has been keeping him alive.
1: Keeping him alive. He would have been dead. And so, you know, the pact here is is pretty solid between him and Snape um for what's about to happen. And some of this stuff, you know, as you're watching it and you've not seen Deathly Hallows, so spoiler alert: if you haven't seen him, you should have by now. Um, <laughs> But the, the truth is, is you know, there's no cliffhanger for us who've seen it because we know from Deathly Hallows that this is all orchestrated and planned. Dumbledore was going to die anyway. Harry does not know this. Harry is you know, thinking, get Snake. Okay, I figure we should go to the hospital, but whatever you say, man. You know, and he's planning on going down, but there's not enough time. So as he goes, people are coming in.
0: And Dumbledore, and well, Dumbledore tells him, Hide. Don't no
1: hide because he hears people come. There's no yeah. time.
0: Don't, don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just
1: yep. just stay Stay hidden. Sure enough, Draco Malfoy shows up pointing his wand at Dumbledore and, and Dumbledore has a great compelling uh, conversation with Draco just telling him I knew a boy who once made all the wrong choices. You know what I mean? And he's just trying to appeal to Draco that he doesn't have to do any of this stuff. Well, I think Draco would have been convinced to kind of put it down, but sure enough, Bellatrix and here comes
0: Auntie her Bellatrix
1: came right in, you know, and uh, and she's trying to egg him on and all that stuff. And and honestly, Draco can't do it. He's lowering, lowering his wand.
0: Well, wait,
1: uh, I'm leaving said, out I something but,
0: super I, important.
1: I know it's important. It's important to say Draco does uh, disarm Dumbledore, and he Not lets. That. It's important to understand, of course, and I think it should just come naturally, that Dumbledore willingly and even arguably wantingly let Draco um, disarm him with Expelliarmus. And uh, in doing so, we'll get into why that mattered in the next session. But that happened. But then Draco cannot follow through. And Snape, right on time, is coming up the stairs, Looks at Harry, kind of says, Be quiet. I got this kind of a look. It's just like, yeah, you do. You know, he goes right up there. And you know, it's just uh that moment where Dumbledore looks at Snape and says, Please, Severus, please. And then he does a vodka Snape does a vodacadabra right on Dumbledore. He goes falling from the tower to his death or his death. And then, then he falls. falls. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, Dumbledore. I mean, because it's 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 to make it clear that the killing curse hit. Kills and he's, he's dead. There's there's no coming back from it.
1: Yeah, no coming back. So Dumbledore is unquestionably dead. There's no question on that. And then from there, they escape, running havoc through Hogwarts, destroying the Great Hall and all that, and then running outside and leaving. And Harry follows. And uh and there uh, Harry learns as he's pursuing Snape, you know, believing Snape to be the murderer. I mean, killing Dumbledore. He did. So he's attacking, uses even septum, simp- simpra, septum simpra on him. And it gets uh, dispelled. And uh, Snape says, using my own spells against me. he says, I am the half-blood prince. So we learned that it was Snape's potion book and Harry is just, you know, certain that that uh, Snape is the villain, though. The truth is, is without going into the details that we'll very much enjoy going into in the next uh, podcast. Uh, what we we understand is that Snape did exactly what Dumbledore asked him to do. Mm-hmm. and that's, that's where we'll leave that.
0: Um, I do want to say so th- there's there's differences between, again, obviously the book and the movie. Um, I'm not sure which, which version I enjoy better with, with this, uh, because in the book, uh, Harry is petrified by Dumbledore under the invisibility cloak and is forced to watch as everything happens. Right. Um, he has no choice in the matter, but in the movie he does have a choice. Like he could, he could act, he could respond to what's going on right above him, but because Dumbledore told him not to, he's trusting that Dumbledore is going to be okay.
1: See, I like the I like the movie version better. Yeah, I think I do too. Because to me, there's a few things going on, especially with Snape. So I think we know that that Harry saw Draco lowering his wand. He admits that later. So he felt like Dumbledore had that with Draco. He didn't feel like he had to protect Drake or protect him from from Draco. But even when Bellatrix and all of them are there. I mean, I can imagine that at that point, Harry's like, "It's time to go up." But then Snape shows up, and Snape's like, "I'm here." And see, Harry has been told in the, this entire spell and throughout that Dumbledore trusts Snape's, Therefore, I trust Snape is what you know Lupin That's tells what Lupin him. says, yeah. And I think that Harry, at this point, you know, he's just gone through this to trust Dumbledore take his advice, do exactly what he says. And then you have Snape coming in here. And I think in that moment for the first time, and this is kind of the more tragic side of it too, is this is like the only time in the entirety of the series that that actually Harry trusts Snape. Yeah, I don't think he has ever trusted him or had a moment's belief that he wasn't anything uh, trustworthy until this moment. And he goes, you know what? you Dumbledore's guy. You got this because...
0: Because he yeah. was about to go get him anyway.
1: He was about to go get him anyway. He was following him, and I think he was, like, assured that he had arrived. Yeah. And then for him to kill Dumbledore, I think Harry's just like, mother of pearl? You Dumbledore know what was wrong. I mean, I think that was just rough. I mean, there is, obviously, it's, it's extremely tragic if you're watching it. Even if you've read it you know what's happening it still could be a tearful moment
0: oh i cried yeah. i cried well, I, well I, okay so i didn't cry until harry comes back and is there with dumbledore's body and right jenny's holding him and he's he loses it and everyone waves yeah. their wands and
1: with their wand up in the air
0: um but another thing about the book too um when when harry's chasing after snape and is trying to curse him uh, from behind yeah uh at one point okay tell me if i'm remembering this correctly because i'm pretty sure in the book harry attempts to use the cruciatus curse on him yeah and snape blocks it and and says he's not going to allow him to use an unforgivable curse now i feel like that's that's more of again snape protecting harry from going to a darker place
1: yeah yeah
0: and so and so again having the foreknowledge of what we obviously know at this point right. of who Snape really is and right. what his true intentions are again, you know, looking back to, to what we see from him in, uh, in sorcerer stone, he's protecting Harry when he's on his broom during the Quidditch match. He's protecting the kids from the werewolf and right. prisoner of Azkaban. And here he's just protecting Harry from himself. Right. Uh, and you know, in in the book, he's he's protecting him from using this unforgivable curse and from going to a place that he knows he shouldn't go to. Right. And and so you know, again, I I think it just you have these subtle reminders over and over again that Snape is the good guy, but we really want you to think he's the bad guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it's it, it it's very interesting too because so many theories just like would come up in my head before Deathly Hallows. And, you know, I think, uh, let's see here. half Prince, Prince came out in 2005. So that was, yeah, the book. So, you know, 2005, we had, uh, is that right around the Goblet of Fire? Goblet of Fire was 2004. Yeah. Something like that. I think it was like, we had 2001, then two, then four. It was the first three came out like year after year. the Movies, I mean. And then, and then the other one came, Goblet of Fire was two years later. And then everyone was two years later after that. Um, I think like the book coming out in 2005, I remember like reading the book and going, I, I'm, I'm just, maybe he was, maybe he just knew that he was going to die anyway. And so he did it to get himself a better position. Then I thought, no. He's been playing this the whole time. It's been a whole deep seated thing, you know. I just I remember going back and forth in my head as to what the the o- overarching plan is. Maybe Snape is like Voldemort's like brother or something. You know what I mean? Like, what- well, there
0: are so many like there are so many theories out there. Like, and this is you know the, the internet might not have been what it is today, but still there were people all over the internet with theories about oh Dumbledore's not really dead, right. He's got to be alive. There's There's got to be some kind of loophole in this Avada kadavra thing. Yeah. He's, now, he's, he's alive. Dumbledore's now, alive.
1: There was so much about him being alive. Well, but then the fact is the book Deathly Hallows came out in 2007, which was two years prior to this movie coming out. And, you know, that was so when you're when you're watching this movie, if you're a person who's read the books when they immediately came out, you know, I read Deathly Hallows in one sitting. I went to a trade show in Kansas City and um, I had uh, a day off like between between travel. There was a day off from the show and um, I went to a Barnes and Noble. i had already pre-bought the book. It was waiting for me when I got home from my trip, but I couldn't wait. So I actually literally went to the bookstore with, like a Barnes and Noble. I bought the book at the Barnes and Noble and I sat and I read the entire book all day long. From start from sun up to the very evening, I stayed in that Barnes and Noble, and I I I literally drank coffee, and I had like little snackage the entire day. I could not put the book down, and then I got home and I read it again because I'm like insane that way. But I'm telling you, when I'm reading this book, I'm I'm like on every page learning about the details that we've been talking about that are answers to the questions of this movie. You know, then you have this movie come out two years later and you have all of the answers you know all of this stuff and the reasons why so you can watch alan rickman's betrayal a uh, portrayal of this whole thing and you see as you're sympathetic towards snake you have an appreciation for what's really going on in the visual rendition of the movie whereas when you're reading the book for the first time half-blood prince you're like what what you know what i mean yeah but- don't have from watching the
0: movie. I remember, I remember having a debate with with a friend of mine after we both had finished reading um, Half Blood Prince and talking about that last scene with with Dumbledore and, and Snape and and where Dumbledore just says Severus, please.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's like you know you're reading the book and you're hearing the voices in your head. How is he saying that? Is he pleading with him? Is he begging him not to kill him? Or is he? Beg? like yeah. Dumbledore's not begging that's not who he is but why is he why is he saying please to Severus when he's in this weakened unarmed state Yeah. He's got to be begging. And I'm like no, dude, yeah. he's not begging. Yeah. He is asking Snape to follow through
1: with something. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I mean it's just crazy.
0: Yeah. And I I love I I will say, you know, I've I've had problems with Michael Gambon and his portrayal of, uh, of Dumbledore in, in the past and in, in other movies. This scene was fantastic. Well, and the I'll, way he delivers that, that simple line, Severus, please.
1: I actually liked his character for the first time in this movie. I didn't really like, I didn't like his portrayal of Dumbledore in any of the movies prior, but I did like this one. And I also think that's a graduation. For Michael Gambon. I think that he got there to the to the dumbledore that we can appreciate by this movie. I don't think that he nailed it personally, though again, my children would disagree. <laughs> but, um well anyway, so we have had probably our longest podcast, but these this has been a riveting discussion about two really epic movies. I, yeah. I I obviously I could tell we we probably watched the first four so many times, you know what I mean? But you get to this and this is plot intensive epic you know it's got some serious plot points uh and mysteries and i think that's why you and i get so excited about these maybe more than the others
0: well and and these these are where it's like it's ramping up to all right we're coming to a a real end on this and so um yeah uh next week we will be discussing um deathly hallows Hallows parts one and two um and really you know might as well treat it all as one big movie right i mean it's we're just gonna roll we're gonna roll it It is uh again you you talk about intense uh that is that is an intense one and and they are in a tent for a lot of the a lot of the uh movie (laughs) um so once again uh we have been peckapalooza and in various uh if you have enjoyed this episode this podcast please uh give us a like give us five stars uh whatever you do wherever you're doing it um you know tell your friends that they can find us on uh spotify on apple podcasts on google you know wherever you listen to your finer podcasts we're with we're with those finer podcasts
1: thank you for taking the time to listen to we appreciate um you know, and hopefully you've nerded out on some of this stuff too. We love your comments. We love your thoughts, you know, and, uh, and your opinions. And as we're finishing out these series, you know, we're going to do Deathly Hallows. Um, and then we're going to roll into Fantastic be- Fast, Fantastic be- Beasts. Both um, or all three movies for those. And while right. we're doing those, we're also doing these special podcasts for Obi-Wan.
0: That's right. So come back tomorrow and you'll be able to catch our discussion about uh, the fourth episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I'm pretty sure the episode title is just part four, right? I think so. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, again, come back tomorrow. Uh, if you've been enjoying the Obi-Wan Kenobi discussions that we're having, uh, come back for that. Um, leave us your comments. Let us know what you think. Uh, because as Invarius said, we do love reading your comments and uh, and hearing what you have to say. So, <coughs> excuse me um any other thoughts before we uh
1: end this thing we're good we're good thank you all for listening and have a great week
0: have a good whatever it is wherever you are and we'll see you tomorrow